Hello, everybody. My name is Tim Malloy. I'm the editor of Movement Maker Magazine, and I want to welcome everybody to the Festival Strategy Panel. I've been talking to these panelists for the last half hour or so, and they are incredible, so I'm going to try to be quiet and let them talk as much as possible. Um, I couldn't possibly do justice to all of your bios, so why don't we just start with Beth, and if you can give us a little bit about yourself and about the festival and your experience with the festival. <clears throat> Uh, I'm Beth Barrett, and I'm the Artistic Director at Seattle International Film Festival. Um, I'm actually the Artistic Director at SIF, which is the parent organization for the 25-day, 400-film. Yep, 25 days. Yep, <laughs> yep, it's real. Uh, 400 Films Festival, also SIF Cinema, which we run year-round, five different screens, three different buildings, um, which shows art house, calendar titles, short film programs, rentals, all of that sort of thing and an education department that serves about 80,000 young people through the course of the year um, through film education and filmmaking. Uh, and I've been at SIF. This, we're going into our 46th year. I have been there for 17. And I started as a volunteer um, in publications. And as jobs opened up and the organization got bigger, I just kept getting promoted. Um, and then at some point, my dad came to the festival and said, oh, you, you can have a job doing this. <laughs> I said, yes, yes, you can, and you can be in charge. My name's Clementine. I'm the festival coordinator at uh, USC, the University of Southern California, and I help our students tailor their film festival strategy, and also um, we, um, we distribute their short films and license to different platforms and companies. Prior to that, I was the, film fest the Slam Dance Festival manager, and before that, I was the programming coordinator at uh, the Florida Film Festival. Hi, my name is Sandra Lipsky. I'm the founder director of the Evolution Mallorca International Film Festival in Mallorca, Spain. Um, I was an actress and a filmmaker before, which I still am. <laughs> and then out of necessity for myself, I created this festival. The Mallorca is my hometown. And I was just weirded out while there wasn't a festival because every other town has one. So I started it in 2012. And um, yeah, there we were a seven-day festival with over 100 films. We have four locations, um, screens, a drive-in cinema, and uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool festival. Um, my name is Thomas Mahoney. Um, I am currently the, um, the interim head of thesis production at AFI, American Film Institute. Um, better than USC. Um, and whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> All right. Um, no, and, and uh, I've been there for a few years as a, as a thesis mentor. I've just recently assumed this post, uh, like I said, in the interim. I'm an independent producer, um, I guess by trade or nature, however you want to say. I've produced a lot of lower budget genre films that have been in festivals before. Um, some stuff with Wes Craven. Um, namely, uh, but uh, also I was involved with Slam Dance a couple of years ago on the Features Jury, so that's my involvement with this festival. Um, and kind of just a, like a festival kind of guy, like I like to go to them and see the films and see how, how this thing operates. So kind of a, not necessarily involved with a film festival, but definitely have an opinion about film festivals. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, I'm Al Bailey. I'm the, currently the Director of Programme at the Manchester Film Festival in the UK. Um, I've had programmed 17 international film festivals uh, so far to date. Um, I also contribute to BBC Front Row Review 
um, on a monthly basis. And I've just currently made my first feature documentary and it's due for a theatrical release in May in the UK. And, that's, and I'm English, not Australian, <laughs> or Slovakian, or yeah. <laughs> that joke worked better with you guys than me. <laughs> I want to thank The Next Room for this awesome musical accompaniment. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I like it, it's yeah. intense. It's cool. Uh, one thing we talked about beforehand is how your festival submission really starts, where your festival submission really starts, at what point in the creative process it begins. Can you talk about when you think that is, when people should start thinking about where they're going to submit and things like that? Yeah, we're all going to copy Thomas now because that, that looked much easier than leaning forward. Yeah. Um, I, th I think we, we talked about that, and I think um, that we're all in agreement that your festival strategy has to start when you think about your film. Like it, you, from the very, very, very beginning of making your film, you have to think about why am I making this film? What am I doing with this film? What do I want to do with this film? Do I want to go, you know, do I want to just pop it right up on YouTube when I'm done because I was just sketching out a character? Do I want to do a year and a half long festival route? Do I want to have somebody buy it at the end and take all the pressure of doing all that away from me? Um, and until you know what you want your film to be at the very end, and festivals are definitely a huge part of most filmmakers' strategy, you're not going to you're not going to make the film that you are trying to make because you know you have to like like writing a film like writing a screenplay you have to know what the ending is before you can actually finish your screenplay um i think also what's important yeah i, I agree with that but at the same token i think um don't tailor your film because you think that that's what a festival wants you you have to stay true to yourself but think about who am I as a filmmaker? What are my goals? And how is my film and my cinematic voice serving me? And, and what are festivals doing to support who I am as a filmmaker? I think that's also an interesting way to look at the question. Something to think about. Yeah, I'd like to say uh, start by saying I think there is a festival for every film, but not every film is for every festival. Mm. And that's really important to go into when you finished your film well, of course, you should start think about your strategy before already, but then once you hit that point, we're like, okay, here's my budget, this is what I, this is what I can spend, now I go on Film Freeway, and there's like 8,000 festivals, <laughs> where do I go? Um, I think it's important to, and I know we will talk about more tips and tricks and things, but in the beginning, is like, listen to yourself, and who are you, and who, who are you, who's the movie, and where is your tribe for that film? Um, I think Slamdance is a really great um, mirror for that because there's like this certain vibe here and the filmmakers who have their films here, um, there's like this, yeah, there's this certain vibe here that I love and everyone who comes here loves because we all have that, some more, some less, but we all like kind of have that a little, um, like this independent edge. Yes, that's what I was looking for. So I think that's where you will find filmmakers meet each other at festivals that kind of have the same edge. This is like the telephone game. I don't even remember what the original thing was, so we'll just like go with it. <laughs> yeah, who knows what you're going to even answer at this point. Um, I think I think as a filmmaker, um, you have to ask yourself initially what you're trying to do, and if you're trying to tell a story, if you're trying to get recognized, if you're trying to get noticed. Um, as somebody who 
has a lot of as a producer has a has a ton of colleagues in the industry that are also producers directors and writers it seems like the unattainable goal is always like oh i'm gonna make some wonderful independent film that's going to show up at sundance or can or tiff and you know become the next big sale or big you know Ryan Coogler-esque thing and go on to a, a Marvel movie or whatever. And that just seems like a buying a lotto ticket to me anyway. So I think like just being smart with what your realistic tempered expectations are, which none of the filmmakers don't have any. So, you know, that's just how it operates. And then coming from the other perspective of educating and working with students that are making, you know, high quality thesis films and shorts that are, are going out there. It's the same kind of concept where it's, Tell your story, see where it lands, but also be cognizant of the fact that you are going to have to market yourself some way and get out there some way. And the festival world is probably still, even though maybe we'll talk about this later, how like the world's getting smaller with like YouTube or other ways to get your film out there. It's still kind of like the home to get your stuff out there. So I think that it's just asking yourself what you're looking for and what you're trying to do mostly. If that answers even the original question. <laughs> hmm. Do you want to summarize, Tim? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, where does the submission process start? Oh when? My God. When? That was <laughs> your answer was still good. Okay. Well. It was. <laughs> <laughs> where does it, where does it start? As in the yeah, time do, frame or? Yeah, or we can move on to the next question also. I think we should move on to the next question. Yeah, yeah. In, that, in um, a nutshell. Like, yeah, yeah, I was kind of doing a snake draft, right, yeah. um, but we can break up the telephone game, and anybody should jump in on this one. For a lot of the filmmakers in this room, this is one of the rare opportunities to see the people who are going to decide your fate, who are going to decide whether your film gets into a festival. Can you kind of give them some insider things that drive you crazy, like immediate red flags that you see where you go, this is disqualified? Like if you're writing a script and there's a lot of gray space on the first page of that script, red flag. The longest synopsis known to mankind doesn't really work well with programmers that might have been sat there. As much as they might be beautifully written, um, it's just a, a point of time, really, for, you know, you might have a small group of programmers that have got to get through these films, and they literally don't have the man time to read a big synop. That would be my first pop of call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. It, it's actually it's a disservice to you as a filmmaker, because we would just... I mean, skip is a harsh word, but it's really hard to be enticed by something like this long. You want to get straight to the point. Um, I think for me, one of the pet peeves are like, if there is um, there are things to fill out on Film Freeway, and we can manipulate, we can say, we can choose what you are supposed to fill out for each festival. If we ask you to fill something out, fill it out. Hmm. Like, use the space, put your information in there, put your bio, put your photo, Tell us about the director and the crew. Um, of course, not forever, like not three pages long, but give us a taste of who you are, where you come from, what your vision in life is a little bit, because we have about, I don't know, a minute or two that we scan this page, maybe even less, where we want to get to know you and make a connection and then have those, um, I know, like I'm picturing the Film Freeway page, have your uh, stills on one side, have maybe the link to the trailer. If you don't have a link to a trailer, maybe you have some kind of a video of yourself talking about your movie. Don't make it longer than a minute, though, or two minutes. But like, put stuff out there that will will grab our attention. Um, yeah. yeah. 
Um, in terms of actually talking about the, the film part of it, I think that if your film starts with a 30-minute credit intro, that's probably not a good move. Like, start where you need to start. Um, and also, you know, when you're making your film, there's going to be different stages of, of where you're of where you're at, right? Like, um, everyone wants to get into Sundance and can, but it's not always a right fit. So I think that um, know what what festivals you're submitting to and, and why. I think that's that's something that's important, right? Like, if you're submitting to Slam Dance, which is a more edgy festival, your super super commercial film may not be the right fit. Um, so. I think the key is to do your research. And what I tell my students is watch films that are playing at the festivals that you are trying to get into and see if your work is tonally or, you know, even just um, visually, aesthetically um, a match to what this mm -hmm. festival's been programming for years, you know? Like, uh, you can go on Vimeo, you can uh, go on Canopy, you can, there's plenty of, platforms like short of the week or things like that where you can see films that have been at plenty of festivals and kind of cross-reference and, and see what's going on I know that's kind of convoluted to the question Sorry. but um, no, mm -hmm. but it makes sense for um, for you like so you can kind of compare what you're doing and what's already been done out there and see what makes sense one of the things that is really really hard so we program all of our short films in one weekend 19 different blocks of them about 170 and when we see a lot of 23-minute, 24-minute, 27-minute films, they have got to be the best <laughs> films of all of those 170. Because not only do they have to anchor one of those programs, they are knocking three other films out that other people might love that are only seven minutes, eight minutes. Now, that said, if your story, you need 27 minutes, and, you, and the pacing is good, the writing is good, you carry the, the audience through, that's great. And that is the film you should make. 95% of the time, I think people do not need 27 minutes to tell their short film. I had, I had a, a mentor that said, well, if it's over 15 minutes, I put it to the bottom of the pile and I'll get to it. By the time they get to it, it's like, well, I don't have room for that. So there's a lot, there's a lot of things you can do. Um, to get really honest feedback. But you also need to start by looking at, at your crew and your film. So one of the big red flags, and it's not a disqualifying thing in any way, shape, or form, but if we see that the director, the screenwriter, the producer, and the editor are the same person, those are four different people with four different drives toward a film. And I, I, was, I was telling Tim, you, know, you, you have this $20,000 crane shot, right? which is amazing. The director's like, this is entirely my vision. Oh, yes. The screenwriter's like, this is not even in my <laughs> script. The producer's like, I paid $20,000 for that, for that crane. And the editor's like, yeah, no, it doesn't belong. Now, if all four of those people are four different people, you can have a conversation about that $20,000 crane shot. If they are the same people, that is really, you're going to end up with that shot in there, and it could be like a four minute shot that just, you know, those are things to think about. Get feedback, get honest feedback from people that are not related to you, that don't know you, that were not in your class. Um, you know, find a, find a local film group of filmmakers and show, because filmmakers will give you honest feedback about your film 
Um, and hopefully you will be able to give them honest feedback about their film. It'll be a nice sharing experience. Um, but also the general audience, because you're not making films just for other filmmakers. You hope that people, like regular people that like to go to the movies, want to see your film. Yeah. Can, uh, I just had a question and more about like what you guys, I'm not trying to take your job away, seriously. Um, you don't see anything else bad about USC. I won't have to moderate it. <laughs> yeah, especially uh, you named Kugler, who's one of ours, so yeah, watch your back. Yeah, he's great. Um, <laughs> we still have David Lynch. Um, so the question is, I, I have a question. What, what's like for the, for the festival people, what is the delineation point for like rough cuts and in this process, like what's too rough? I've been in, even as a, I'm a producer and I've been in situations where sales companies or executive producers have pushed cuts that I even believed as a filmmaker were not ready for that type of consumption. And I feel like it could either taint a... Um, a perception of your film if it circles back around or some programmers actually work at multiple film festivals and it could like look like so I guess you get my line of thinking I'm just curious like what's the stance on that like what's too rough what's not you know where does that go well it depends on your relationship with that filmmaker so if you have a relationship and you've you know what they're capable of you can see as a the programmer yeah as a okay. programmer right. you can see a really rough cut and say all right I can see the gem in here if you don't have a relationship with a programmer at a, at a festival and you send them an unfinished film that has, you know, maybe your picture is locked, but you don't, you know, you're not color corrected, you've got temp sound, you're still going to maybe go back and, and edit some things because you're, you haven't had a test screening yet. That's, that's too rough to show, um, to show a programmer um, that doesn't have a relationship with you or your films. Sandra, you were shaking your head oh while God. Thomas was talking. It seems like you love rough cuts. <laughs> Guys, you have, it's the first impression. You have one impression. You want to have be it the best. So if you have to wait that one year and sit that year out from whatever festival you're trying to get into, then do it. It's worth it. Because if you don't have that relation, that's a luxury if you have that relation with a program or a festival. But if you don't, then that's your only shot is that first impression. And you want it to be perfect and great and you want to stand behind it and not think, oh, well, here's my rough cut, but I want to change this, this, and this, and this. And I'm like, well, go and change it because <laughs> and then I need to see, and then you're asking me to later watch it again? It's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, I think like if it's picture locked to the point where you're you know that this is your final cut, it's okay. Like I personally, I I can have the stretch of the imagination for the color correction and for, you know, if your music is not final, that's okay. But if your audio levels are unhearable and if you're still gonna edit a ton of your film, if there's a ton of stuff missing, like a programmer cannot jump like we can't imagine what's going to happen there's only so much we can do so it, you have to be at a place where you're proud to show this film mm -hmm. if you're not proud to show it i would not submit that does that make sense to you guys yeah. yeah you work too hard like we know how hard it is to make a movie and you worked so hard so finish it and then show it like you have to be patient and then you will get a better result i swear <laughs> yeah i think it's, it can be case specific i'll just retracking a little bit depending on the pressures of investors, and there's the time thing. I think if you made an indie film, 100%, never, never rush. Um, but I think there's a different kind of story for each case, depending on the investment and the size of the film, etc. What is the blanket advice you would like to give people 
that you feel like you see so many times you would just like to put out? If you could tweet it, if you could skywrite it, you just feel like people are not getting it. Like, is there one one key thing that every filmmaker should accept? Is in terms of in terms festival, of submissions, yeah. Um, have a clear perception in your mind what you want to get out of the festival right from the get-go because I think there's a confusion because there's two different arms to a way to look at it um, I want to meet people on a network I want to get into that festival I want to sell either myself or the film or you know what I'm not a studio I can't afford a test screen I want to use my festival strategy as a test screening you've yeah. got to be brave but I think that's the one unique thing festivals actually have you got you get honest feedback if you get the demographic in the room yeah. And that's down not only to the festival, but also to the filmmaker as well. So I think that would be my kind of take on it. Yeah. Anybody, anything else? If you are rejected, and chances are you will be rejected from at least one festival that you apply to, take it with grace. Because not every film is good for every festival. Not every festival can show all the film. We'll, we actually... Our, our submissions close on Friday, FYI. We are on Film Freeway. Um, but we'll get about 3,500 shorts, and we show about 170 of them. That does not mean the other 3,300 3, are not right or not good or um, you know, inherently not for us. They just didn't fit this year in the configuration of the films that we needed. Um, some years... One year we got five different documentaries about the Elwha Dam. Hmm. We, can, we can show one, <laughs> one of those. And so the other four were very, very good. We chose one of them. And so it's hard. It's hard. Nobody likes to have the, I'm so sorry, unfortunately, your film was not selected for this festival. But take it with grace. Do not email them back and swear at them. <laughs> I swear to God, those emails do get circulated. Do wow. not email someone back and swear at them. It happens. <laughs> um, I think, you know, a lot of people want to know what to do to get into a festival, but I like to, um, to get you to think about what are the festivals doing for you? <laughs> um, every, some festivals have specific panelists that maybe you want to meet, or maybe um, a festival has a partnership with a company that you want to be involved with, or maybe there's a cash prize, or um, maybe it's Oscar qualifying and you have a short and you want to try and get your Oscar qualified uh, qualification. So I think it's a better question to ask yourself, what are they doing for me? Right, so think about that when you're applying, and that that requires research. And so, if you're alone, maybe get yourself a team that's going to help you, or um, or just spend the time. <laughs> that was spend my time. that was my thing. Research, um, yeah. So research, guys. Research is so important. Um, it takes time. It's a little tedious, but at the same time, it kind of educates you on the festivals. And there are these platforms, we've mentioned them before, there's Film Freeware, there's others as well, but you have them all in one spot now. So how amazing is that? For example, with our festival, um, there's a history button on our website where you can see each year the winners and you can download a PDF of each festival. 
So do that. I know there's links to the movies, but you can Google the films. You can see which which uh, short film won Best International Short or Feature Film. You can see all of that, and you can get the vibe of what we're going for. And you can very quickly see, oh, yeah, my movies. And then even, I know, don't email, mm-hmm. but I know you will. So if you do email, then put that into your email. Say, hey, I've been, like, and then, and don't say to whom it may concern. Go on the website, look who's program director, I'm of mine. So you can say, hi, Sandra, I've researched on your website. I've put some time in. And I think my film really reflects the vibe of this and this, that one year festival, that and that year. I'm going to be impressed. That's going to put you on the top of my list. I'm like, okay, I'm actually going to check that filmmaker out and give him some. Because if you put the time in, we put the time in. Yeah. I want, oh, oh and, and one more piece of advice, which you're all already taking. Go. Go to festivals. Even if your film is not in the festival. Oh, go yeah. to all the festivals around you. Go to all the different genre festivals. Um, you, you know, in Seattle, we have like 50 different festivals. But that's amazing because you're able to see work done by people from around the world in really different styles. And even when, you know, you go to a shorts package, you're like, well, that wasn't very successful. We'll figure out why it wasn't very successful so that you don't accidentally replicate that in your next film. Like, that is how, that is how we all learn what great film is, or at least great film for us, because programming is really subjective. If you want to answer this about other festivals or festivals in general and not talk about your own, that's totally cool. Just feel free to clarify, specify anything you want to, and you'll see why I'm giving such a long caveat. Um, How truly blind are festivals? I mean, is it truly a completely anonymous process? Or if you know somebody's story and you know that they're really close to this film and they have an amazing history with it, does that help them? Yes. Yes. If you want the honest answer, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if we have a, if we have a history with a filmmaker, you know, we've shown their previous films, yeah, we're it's going to go to the top. They're going to email and say, "Hey, I had a film in, at SIF in, you know, 2007 and I'm going to look that up and it's going to go to the top of our watching lists because as festivals, we want to invest in the career of filmmakers. We want filmmakers to come back year after year because their audience, you know, our audiences don't change that much. People live in Seattle for a very long time. They go and they see something and they're like, oh yeah, I saw, I saw their first film. The th- their second film was awesome. Um, but yeah, if, if there is a connection, if there's some reason, you know, like Sandra said, I, I did my research on your festival. I, and when you're emailing, make sure that you ha- actually have the actual name of the festival you're emailing. Oh in, no, <laughs> we know when you Dear Beth, SF Film is great. I'd love to, it's like, that's not me. <laughs> That's, I, I realize you copied and pasted. We're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. But it, it's an immediate like, ooh, yeah, no, that's no. I'm going to just say one thing. I, I, you guys are absolutely right. But um, I'm going to talk about the slam dance process just for one second because it's kind of very different. Um, so because slam dance is programmed by alumni of the festival, the programmers are different every year. And um, therefore... They and also Slam Dance does not track people, <laughs> and the submissions are blind. We we don't invite films to submit. We're not uh, reaching out to people to send their work. So when we look at films, usually yes, we see the name of the person in the submission, but we're not um, usually because it's different programmers pretty much every year. It's gonna not have that same. Um, 
effect. So it's a little more blind in that sense. That's fascinating. I didn't actually know that, that your programmers change year after year after year, but yet the, the ethos and the yeah. feel of the festival is so consistent. Uh, I think it's because the filmmakers are programming from a perspective of filmmakers and not necessarily from a perspective of audience, of, of pleasing an audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, mine's more of a comment and then, again, not trying to take your job away, but like a question for the, as a, I'm a filmmaker, so I'm, you know, a question to the festival dais, so to speak. Um, what is the stance or the feeling or the commonality of solicited films into film festivals? Like, for example, I've been, I make no bones about it, and I, I've been the beneficiary of agency influence getting films into major film festivals such as Tribeca and Toronto. And, you know, as a filmmaker and a producer, that's very important because we need to get in there. And it just feels like, not conflicted, you know, but it just it just feels like there's this whole group of people that are passionate and working their ass off and submitting these films into these film festivals. And then a UTA or CAA could call a programmer or, the head, or a programming committee and be like, I need to get these five films into this film festival. And some film festivals kind of hide it the one down the road, but other ones like they make no bones about it. When I was at TIFF, they were like, "Hey, you know, this is this film. We'd like to thank UTA for getting it here." Like they they make it upfront and presentable. So I'm just curious, like, again, what's the stance on that? Is it a necessary evil? Is it something you guys have to deal with? Is it something that comes production companies, agencies that make this stuff happen? I think, from my point of view, um, is there was a piece in Variety not that long ago about first scam festivals and, yeah. uh, and so on, which was an interesting piece. Now, to me, as a moral compass point of view, from a programming point of view, there's no difference between a festival that screen or doesn't screen your film and a festival that accepts your submission fee and doesn't watch your film. To me, it's the same, it's the same moral fortitude. So the way I would stand it, I, it I'm totally against what the point you were making, really. So it should be a fair playing field and I know we say we get influenced by alumni and things like that but it's certainly not a case of you're in just because you are alumni um, I think you're in because your film fits our audience at the end of the day and it's a, it's a well crafted piece let's totally talk about that um, we talked about the red flags that you as programmers see um, that keep you from letting a film into a festival for people who are submitting to festivals what are the red flags you should see that this is a bad festival for you or that this is just a totally bogus festival Ask your friends, you know, your filmmakers, you have filmmaker friends, ask them what their experiences were at the festivals that you are submitting. And again, that goes back to what Sandra was saying with the research. Um, if you see that it's an online festival that doesn't screen your film, or if it's a festival that you have to pay to get awards, just kind of look at the, the nuance. If their website looks like it was made by someone who did the Craigslist website, maybe not a great idea. <laughs> also look at the track record of the festival. Has it been going on for a really long time? Um, look at the people who are involved. Are they uh, people who are just in it to get money from filmmakers? Like, Just if you look at their site, usually you can get a lot of the vibe that's going on. And um, reach out to other filmmakers. Say, hey, what was your experience here? Was, you know, so again, research. It has a lot to do with transparency as well. Like the good festivals, they're pretty transparent and you can look the people up. You can find out, find out who's the director, 
who's the artistic director, and um, their email will be there, maybe even their phone number. You can certainly reach me with no problem. And I think that shows, you know, this is real. There's real people behind it. And man, I like, I hate those festivals. Hmm. Like, don't screen you, or they, like, with the, ugh, like, that is, like, also horrible for us, because we try so hard to make, like, your movie great and give it a great platform. And, of course, great research. Hello, movie maker. You know, they have those 50 list, 50 best um, worth the entry fee festivals, and they have articles about festivals, and they send their journalists to the festivals. They get firsthand experience. That's a, a great first um, step to do your research. There is an organization called the Film Festival Alliance yes. that um, I'm on the board, uh, full disclosure, um, and we we talk about this all the time because we want to have festivals be a really safe space um, and have a list of accredited festivals. Now, accreditation can mean lots of different things. For some, it means you know showing on a screen. Other festivals are really, truly just online film festivals, um, which is totally fine. Uh, but know that going in. If you are hoping for a physical screening with seats, with audiences that are in a theater, however constructed, and not like, Five chairs in a hotel room, um, you know that. Know that going in and, and research. It's all just about research. Yeah. Um, are there any smaller festivals that might be up and coming that you know of that you want to just give kind of a little commercial for? Oxford Film Festival in um, Oxford, Mississippi. Yeah. Mammoth Lakes Film Festival. Yeah. Las Vegas Film Festival. No, I'm not here to sell anything, so <laughs> do your research. Um, I think, that I, I just want to say one thing um, that I know I tell my students a lot because obviously they make all sorts of different types of films and because they're not all meant for Sundance, but I want them to have a life. Uh, I think it's important to look at niche festivals as well. So if you're a documentary filmmaker, there are doc festivals out there. If you're a short filmmaker, there's a ton of shorts-only festival. If you have a short, you should submit to Clermont Front. You should submit to Palm Springs. They have short film markets. Even if your film doesn't get in, you're in their video library. And then your film can get reviewed by short film distributors. Oh, your film can have a life after festivals? Yes, if you're a sci-fi filmmaker, there's platforms like Dust that showcase your film online that will license your film and give you a ton of views. So there are so many ways for you to get your film out there um, may it be via niche festivals? What's your film about? Does it, it, did you make a film about pancakes? I'm sure there's a pancake film festival. I'm using a ludicrous example to make a point. But think about the niches and think about what happens after that. Like Short of the Week, Vimeo staff picks, Omeletto, uh, I don't know, in educational platforms, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, since we talked about red flags and things that turn you off, are there things that you see where you go, oh my gosh, I really want to champion this film? Are there, uh, to the extent that that sort of thing can be generalized? I mean, at the end of the day, it just comes down to story. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've heard the sentence probably 10 times in the last five days, but it's so true in different panels. It doesn't matter what panel you're on. At the end of the day, it's a movie that um, you want us as festivals to create an audience for and give you a platform it has to be a good story. And if it's a good story that um, we think we have the audience for, um, 
then it's going to happen. And if not, then that's not something bad. Another festival will be that platform for your movie. There is a festival for every film. I guarantee it. Yeah. All right. I'm going to throw some questions to the audience if that's cool with the audience. Is that cool, audience? Um, so if you have a question, just raise your hand, and I will come to you and bring you a microphone. Oh, you, great. <laughs> They'll add music to this part. It'll be great. Um, hey, guys. Um, you just mentioned that like, um, when you submit to film festivals, um, even if it's not selected, sometimes it will end up in their library. What exactly does that mean? Um, so... Um, for example, I'll take the Palm Springs International Short Fest as an example. So what happens is when you submit your film there, um, you have, if the film doesn't get accepted or even if it is accepted, they have a room with a bunch of screens and people who attend the festival can go and review the films in the video library screening room. So a lot of festival programmers or distributors will go. So let's say, uh, someone who programs for the Florida Surf Film Festival is looking for surf films. They're going to look in there for the surf keywords like ocean, surf, sports, and they're going to see if there's films about that specific topic. So yes, maybe you're not playing the festival, but somehow your entry fee is going taking you further because you get visibility no matter what. Does that answer your question a little bit? No, it, those are just these specific festivals that I named. And there are a, a few more, but again, you'll have to do your research about that. All right. Uh, hi, I'm Catherine. I'm a filmmaker. Um, I was wondering about the process of um, choosing or, or trying to choose a premiere place for shorts, because I know it's different from features, and I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. So most festivals don't have, uh, I'm, um, I'm actually paraphrasing for a lot of festivals. My festival does not have a premiere requirement for short films, but some festivals do. And so Tribeca, for example, has a premiere requirement. Um, and so if you, if your goal is I need to get into Tribeca, then you need to start your filmmaking process the nine months it's going to take you to get to that you know, submission time so that you can submit to Tribeca so that that can be the festival start. I don't think most festivals have a lot of premiere requirements. Every festival wants to premiere the film. They want to be the world premiere because they want to discover you. But requirements, take a look at the... If, if you have very specific festivals that you want to get into and they have premiere requirements, start with those. Um, shorts are interesting because it's the experience of being together in a room watching shorts because there's great we, like we've shown films we've shown short films that were on Vimeo already um, or on YouTube already because it's really different in a package um, when you're in a room in a theater uh, features is very different that's, that's harder to show things that are already streaming but again it's research looking into the festivals that you want to, your film to be in, figuring out what the premiere requirements are, and then sort of working backwards from there. Um, can I answer that as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so our, we, so, so Mallorca is an island in Spain, so we have, pr our premiere start is, 
so Mallorca is part of the Balearic Islands, which are four islands off of Barcelona. So we do have the Balearic Island uh, premiere status right now. So there's a couple of other festivals, um, sh mostly short film festivals. So we have all categories, features, shorts, doc, everything. So if you're a short film, then you have to have a premiere status at our festival in that region. We're trying to get it up hopefully next year or the year after for our 10th anniversary um, to be a span to be have a Spanish premiere. That's for our features right now. So you have to be a Spanish premiere for features um, and for shorts, yeah. I just want to add one quick thing. Um, go where the passion is, you know? Like, um, yes, think about your premiere, but don't think about it too hard if you're a short filmmaker. Um, if you find that there's a festival that's extremely passionate about your work, go there because they will celebrate you and then you're you're going to have a positive experience and you're going to be super driven to keep working. Yeah. Hi. Um, I have heard a lot from established filmmakers about asking for fee waivers uh, for festivals. And I was wondering if this is appropriate or looked down upon, especially for filmmakers who are newer and maybe only have one or two features. I've asked for them. Sorry. <laughs> so it never hurts to ask. But in that ask, please do not have it be generic. Don't, it's not a, it's not a copy paste email. Um, find the right person to email and say why you're asking. And if the reason you're asking is because you put all your money into your production, that's not a good enough reason for us um, to, to do that. You can say, I'm from Seattle or my, the topic of my film is something that your mayor has been discussing. If you're, if you're gonna, if you're going to ask for something, show that you've put some consideration into it. And then, if we say no, that's fine. I mean, that you've, you've made your ask. Yeah. Yeah, I think to summarize, don't plead poverty unless you are in poverty. I think you've got to take that on board yourselves as well, because I think there is a, there is a consensus that we're indie filmmakers and we've all got no money. And yeah. it's a bubble. And you've got to accept when you're sending that email, the person on the other end might be worse off than you who's reading it. So I just think of that in your conscience. And again, um, it goes back to research. Our festival has, I think, f four deadlines, five deadlines. The fees right now are super, I think it's 20 bucks right now to submit to our festival. Of course, it'll be 50 in August, so submit now, you know? And if not, if like that's one thing. And then do your research on our social media. Start following us. We have discount codes that we post, you know, for different um, things. Like there is a discount code right here. Um, so we do a lot for our filmmakers. For the ballet, we have a Balearic section. I know this doesn't concern you, but just to show how we support our filmmakers, local filmmakers, they get a fifty percent off code because they're local and we support them. And we have different codes also. What I always like is the email where people say, hey, you know, we asked for a waiver, but if that's not possible, do you have a discount code? And then I have my copy-paste email that I use, <laughs> and I will give you a discount code, you know? But I don't want to hear this whole story of, I'm fine, I don't have any money, I'm my movie. Well, I'm also putting a festival up for 12 years, and I have no money. And I'm like, you know, this, that's not a reason. But, yeah. And if you're doing your research, you might find, for, for SIF, for example, 
we, um, if you shot your film in Washington State or more than 50% of the production was done there, we'll waive your fees mm. because we want to encourage film production in Washington State. And so if you do this research, you might find that the state you shot it in, there's actually some support from your state film institute or your city's film institute that they have a discount code to support local filmmaking. I'm just going to add one quick thing. Um, there, if you look at a uh, European platform called Short Film Depot, uh, <laughs> they have a lot of festivals that you can submit to or for free or uh, for really cheap. Yeah, so that's a way to save a lot of money as well. Something that you've all said that has really kind of blown my mind is that you do welcome personal emails. I mean, emails in your professional capacity that are respectful and cool. Is that is that the case? You're really okay with getting emails from filmmakers telling their personal story? I get them all the time. I, get it. I mean, we can sit here and say don't send them, but they will send them. So <laughs> let's at least tell them what to send and what not to say. You know, I think that will make our, all our lives easier. If, if I see it's a copy-paste email, and even if there's... If you don't address me with my name, or if you write the festa, if you write the wrong name, I will delete you immediately. But if you put just a like five minutes of effort into it, then I will give that effort right back to you, and give you the time of day. I will. It's just a human thing. Yeah. Very cool. Hi guys. Hi. <laughs> so thanks for doing this. This is amazing. When we saw it was coming up in ten minutes, I'm like, yeah, let's go. It's my business partner and I, and uh, Mark Schreier and Ellie Frausto, and we uh, came out here to do our research to investigate what Slam Dance and Sundance is all about <laughs> before submitting. <laughs> we do love all the films, and it's very. We've met some amazing people. Um, my question is, um, you know, you say submit the right film, kind of, to the right uh, festival, and most of our stuff is in the horror genre. And it deals with some message types of things, but uh, we love telling stories. That's our thing. It's like we're, our passion is that. When met in film school, RCC, go Tigers. There are so many horror film festivals. There really are. Yeah. Um, I think it's actually a, a category on Film Freeway <laughs> is horror and sci-fi film festivals. Can I, can I speak to this? Because I've if you look me up or whatever, I, like my whole thing is like low budget horror genre films, and. Um, there are a ton of horror film festivals out there, or genre-based film festivals, which I strongly advocate for. But the horror community is one of the tightest-knit communities in filmmaking that you will find, especially the indie horror community. And the networking of being in there with those festivals, those festival pro programmers, those publications that cover those has been immensely valuable i know to my career at least especially early on like i've transitioned a little bit from being like that you know really low budget horror person but that's where i kind of got my start in there and, and i know that those guys like they will run through the wall for you if you make the right connections in that community and the horror genre film festival circuit is powerful and strong it'll get out there web presence articles as you guys, you guys look like horror fans, not the profile, but <laughs> you guys, you guys know more than any, like how that, you know, word of mouth travels with that, especially now with social media and everything else. But, you know, even back, you guys probably old enough to read Fangoria on paper. Um, so, you know, that that's how it's, it's worked, but it's, it, okay, there you go. Yeah. So that's, that's what I have to say on that. I just felt passionately about that. 
And also a lot of festivals have midnight sections which play horror. So there's the niche of the genre festival and then many festivals will play horror in specific sections. So again, a little research. Hey guys, um, thanks for all the information. I just wanted to ask you uh, any, about any insight you have on those communications like personal emails, uh, cover letters, stuff like that. Because some of the info seems a little contradictory from my point of view. It's like, um, don't write a huge long synopsis, but tell me your life story in a personal email. Like, no. trying to find that balance of like how much information am I trying to give you. In my case, I'm a documentary filmmaker. It took me four years to make my movie. I could talk, I could write a fucking novel. <laughs> but like, how do I, like in your opinion, like how do you condense that down so I'm not wasting your time, but I'm also giving you a little insight, like on a particular subject, you know, you put everything into that, into the film. So if you want to hear about how I feel about the film, watch the movie, you know? So any insight. Yeah, I totally, grateful. it sounds like you're asking to cut the bullshit basically. <laughs> um, from my way of working, condense, make sure you've crafted a really good film, you stand yourself a chance. You come to the film festival, then you sell yourself. That's, that's the way I would look at it. It's where others work differently, obviously, um, but the way I see it, if you've got a well-crafted, you've spent five, six years making a film, if it's good enough, it's good enough. I wouldn't, but then again, like I say, it's, it's contradictory advice. You're exactly right what you said, but I can only take from my personal standpoint. Yeah, I mean, to go back to the synopsis, it is one of the most crucial things you can do for your film is to write a really compelling <laughs> synopsis. Because if you, you know, read the synopsis, it says, well, my film is about a guy who really loves butterflies and he was on a walk and he found a butterfly that was really rare. And I'm like, I've stopped reading. Like, dumb. But if you're like, you know... This film is a, an in-depth investigation into a teenage lapidarist. Or, I don't even know if that's the quite, quite the right word. That's but the it's, most impressive thing anyone's done all day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's cool. Um, so that synopsis has, is your number one way to sell that film. Equally tied to number one is have a really good key image. That's still that you send out to festivals. If it's someone looking pensively out the window, no one wants to see that film. <laughs> if it's an, I'm just curious, if it's a naked man in a bathtub, sold. <laughs> like every you you look through, you flip through, it should you should have a character that is that, not just sell that, but but have a really like something really compelling. We're all visual people. That's why we love film. We make films. We watch films. We think about films. It's, we're very visual, and so if that still gives some kind of like. That is interesting. Why? Why do I want to see that? Um, that's a huge thing. And that is something that you have to plan for in the pre-production phase because you have to get those stills on set sometimes. And depending on your SAG contracts, the stars of your film have an ability to kill 50% of those stills. So take a lot of photos. Take a lot of post photos so that you have a whole library to choose from. Because I've, I've run into filmmakers that they, they're done with their film, they're done with their shoot, and they realize they've got like 20 stills that they could possibly use. Their star kills half of them, so now they have 10. And they're like, oh my God, none of these are compelling. What do I do? 
it sounds like the submission process is part of the proof that you can tell a good story. I mean, it starts there. It isn't separate. It's how well can you advertise your product, the yeah. way that you're advertising your story to viewers. You're right. Yeah, you start telling a story with your submission. And I just want to give an example about the stills that just came to mind. Um, I don't know if you, I hope you all have seen the Oscar-winning short from last year's Skin by Guy Natif. He's an Israeli filmmaker. Amazing short. It was probably in every festival. But that, that um, screenshot that he used, um, which is of a boy holding a gun, it explains the entire movie. It gives me chills. I think it's just like, it's, it's so right. <laughs> like, it's a really good example. So you guys should Google that. Um, also Google um, the Swedish film, it's called Fuck You, excuse my language. Um, it won my film festival last year. Um, and also that still, if you Google it, the still will come up. It shows the diversity in the cast. It shows this super edgy and raw. It shows there is some kind of a sexual tension. It shows everything the movie is. So if you can find that image where we can at least feel one of the three things you want us to feel about your film, that's already like half your rent, I would say. <laughs> Skin and fuck you. <laughs> and then um, the second thing I wanted to mention about synopsis is, um, I don't want to encourage it, but it's kind of a tip. <laughs> there is this thing what filmmakers have been doing is the short synopsis and the long synopsis. So if you have a really long synopsis that you think your film needs, okay, put it out there, put it on your submission, but why don't you do a short one as well? And then we read that, and if we really feel we need more, we can always read the long one. So. Can you put us in your heads when you're actually watching the films? Like, I guess people who submit are picturing what you're doing. Are you sitting in an office? Um, watching them on the clock? Are you watching them at three o'clock in the morning because that's the only time you have? Are you jacked up on coffee? Like, what are you What are you doing? All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't watch films if I'm in a bad mood. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've had times where I've started a film and I'm like, I pause it and then I'm like, I'm gonna come back to this because this is, I'm not in the right mindset for that. But that, I don't know that that's everybody's way of doing it, so. That's yeah. awesome, though. Well, and we work with a, a whole team of pre-screeners and people that have volunteered to sort of take that first pass at the film. Mm -hmm. And we try to assign them, assign the pre-screeners films that they are predisposed to like. So we get to know our pre-screeners, and people are like, I just, I can't do horror, and I really don't really like documentary, but if you've got a rom-com, I'm really into that. So we try to actually assign those first passes to pre-screeners that are they're automatically into your film because we found them a rom-com and because I can't watch horror like I it, it turned I'm like nope okay off and then but I mean but that's responsible because we want one of our programmers to like your film and that's we want that because our audience is super broad so we find the programmer that is predisposed to like your film and then we move from there I, I love that, and I just find both of your answers so reassuring that you're coming from a good place, especially not watching movies in a bad mood. <laughs> That's really cool. No, I, I thought that was a great question because I was recently really shocked because I was told um, to alter, uh, uh, you know, for example, subtitles or the, the names of characters so that it can be watched on an iPhone in a, on a plane. B 
I was told that's what pro pro programmers mostly <laughs> mostly watch. And I was like, okay, and like make it brighter, you know, so that it can be watched. On a, I don't know, you know. So that it, it sounds really, yeah, assuring. <laughs> Well, I can't speak for all programmers. Right, yeah. I know that I do not watch it on an iPhone. I can't. I've never watched a submission on an iPhone. Like all I can do on an iPhone is like play cards. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My my screen's cracked. I would never watch it. <laughs> oh, it's a really serious. Um, and I think I can speak for us. It's a very serious job for us. Like we don't take this lightly. These are we know how hard you've worked. Some of us are filmmakers ourselves, and we know what it takes to make a movie. Like we put the time in. Like f at our festival, there's your your fest your film will be viewed by three people minimum, and um and then it moves on. We have a flag system, and then it moves on to the next round, and then two people will watch it again. Um, so your film will be covered by more than two, like one pair of eyes, and I think that's what we have to give back to you. I mean, I couldn't sleep at night if I wouldn't do that. So there is some controversy um, about your Vimeo links and being able to see if somebody finished watching your film. Oh, yeah. So here's the reality, is that I can sometimes start at work and realize this is not for me, this is, I'm gonna watch this later at home, and I stop, and I put it into the favorites watch later on Vimeo, and then, th so that particular session is stopped. So if you look at that and say, oh, they stopped three minutes in, it could be because I got a phone call, it could be because of, you know, a hundred, I could have tr accidentally turned on a horror film and gone, nope. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's disingenuous to base everything on watch, on how far in the Vimeo click link went. Just FYI, because we do, you know, it's like, oh, I actually want to watch this at home on the couch, so I'm gonna put it into the watch later, and then I'm gonna go home and things on and I'm going to watch it at home or somebody else is going to watch it because they're pre more predisposed to like it. Um, hi guys, this has been so informative, so thank you. Um, my question is, you know, and obviously in recent years there's been a huge swing towards socially relevant and, you know, socially conscious films. I'm curious your perspective and your programmer's perspective on the balance between films that including films on that regard versus just their aesthetic value and how you kind of evaluate them. I, I think it goes down, it boils down to sincerity. You know, it can, all films can be good or all films can be bad, it doesn't really matter, but if you're sincere and you're, yes, if you're talking about something that's socially relevant right now and it comes from a sincere place of your personal story or a story you've researched extensively, that's good. But there are films that are, some people are like, oh, that's in right now. So they try to do it, but it's not their story. It feels contrived. And that doesn't, we're not, you, you know, we're, we're gonna feel that. So, yeah, that's my. Um, for me, what I've seen, a, like let's call it a trend. Um, there's always trends every year, but a trend that kind of been, has been building in the last three to four years is definitely movies from and about the LGBTQ community. Um, and I'm a huge champion of that. We had a, um, a a documentary called Crow's Transformation. It's a Canadian doc that won our best documentary film last year. And um, yeah, so that for me is, it's not a trend. That's my whole point. It's something that needs to be integrated everywhere. Um, and that's something socially that I think needs to be there. Like, 
stories about everyone else. I mean, I know we all say that all the time, but it's just something that I think finally I see those movies. I, I guess now people from this community have the need, power and, 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 and the, I don't know, plat not platform, but like they, they make their, they tell their stories. So I encourage that. I think from a programming point of view as well, does the social issue resonate with the audience that the programmer knows? I think that's vital as well, and that comes back to the right festival, the right fit for the right film. So I think the social issue that someone might have is really relevant to our particular audience, then, yeah, obviously that would be in a higher consideration. Hi, guys. Oh, quick question. Are you hungry for comedies? Yes. Yes, okay. Yes, the world is very dark. Yes. Such a dark... No, but I mean, yeah. yes. However, comedy can be the hardest thing because what I find funny is not what you find funny or what mm. you find funny. Um, so... Um, yeah, I don't even know how to tell you how to make a good comedy. <laughs> Hopefully you've made a good comedy, and that's great. But, um, but yes, I, I think we really are. We, um, every year I remind my programmers that if it's funny, that doesn't automatically make it bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, I have maybe a weird question, so I apologize in advance, but we've all seen a movie that feels kind of phony. Like, you'll see a movie that just, like you mentioned, feels like somebody is piggybacking on a cause or anything like that. Have you ever Googled a filmmaker or looked, researched a filmmaker to see if they kind of have standing to tell this story? Like, if I want to tell a story about Cambodian refugees and I'm a white dude from the United States, I would kind of go, like, what's your in on that story? Like, I would be skeptical of you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have, um, in the last... Uh, 10 years, but five years, really, we have set up some programs that are designed to elevate stories um, that are organically coming from communities. So we have African pictures, which we require the filmmakers to be actually African filmmakers working and living in Africa instead of French documentarians going to Africa. Um, and because it's really important for us. Also, our indigenous program, um, it's not, requires a hard word, but we want to be sure that the filmmakers that we are elevating through those programs are from those communities, um, which can make it you know, a little more challenging, but it's incredibly important. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with the ethos, but I think we've got to be very careful that we don't police who's got the right to tell a story and who hasn't. I mean, who's the story place? So while I, I, well, I full-heartedly agree, I think we've also got to be see both sides of the coin. I think, it's, I think it goes, again, back to sincerity. You know, and like as viewers, you feel that when you're watching something. You're like, this is contrived, or oh no, this hits me. doesn't matter who's telling the story, but you know, if as a filmmaker you're doing it from the right place, the viewers will feel that, right? Like I wouldn't do the research and Google someone to prove my feeling of, oh, he's not doing the, a good job. I don't think he should have told the story. I do it when I think, oh my God, this is amazing and I want to know more about this filmmaker. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. when I do it. Yeah. How, how common is the cross-reference process though? Not just in this type of subject, but in general. Like, Do you guys really research filmmakers or people that submit that are close to get in or that you're on the line about? How does that even... I'm not saying it's anything. I'm just curious about that because it's been brought up a few times. 
We do when they come to the final round, like specifically for feature films, I would say. Um, we do. We we look you guys up and and we want to see what you've done. And But that's just because we're excited about you because we love your film and we want to invite you. So we just want to know more about you. I mean, it is it is hard because you, all festivals, <laughs> it's, it, it's a hard question. Um, many festivals are really looking for that 50% women identified um, directors and in order to do that we actually have to look that up and figure out how how a director identifies and when you're getting down to that you've got 15 slots and 30 films all things being equal any one of those 30 films would provide a great 15 slot program then you start looking at how to balance that program how to really be sure that you're representing lots of different points of views. Um, how to make sure that the, the ethos that your organization stands for, in, you know, in terms of diversity and representation, high quality, that that is actually represented also in your programming and your forward-facing, um, outlooking sort of thing that, that people can see what you're doing. Uh, I had a question about the like the final deadline uh, of the films is always the most expensive. And is it actually valuable to enter at that point? Because you've had all of these entries, you've gone to all these festivals, you've seen all these films. Are you even really considering films at that point? Is it worthwhile? Sure, but if your film's done, why not enter at the early bird? Is it true that early entries have an advantage? Um. Either an advantage or a disadvantage. So the advantage is that programmers are not super exhausted, um, and they might fall in love with your film right away. The disadvantage is that often they kind of have to hold on to that love for a little longer than, um, than if you apply later on. So for our programmers, they don't actually start until we're in our final deadlines. So there's months and months and months of films that are coming in, and some of the pre-screeners are watching it, some of the, you know, but our programmers don't actually really start diving in until 90% of our films are there. So if your film is done, save some money. I, I agree. I, from a personal perspective, all I can say is that I know that I've programmed films that were the first thing I've watched in the programming batches and the last thing I watched. So to, to me, it's just, it goes to what speaks to me, the quality, what makes sense for the festival. Um, I don't think there's really a rule, but if you're trying to save cash, then submit yeah. early is but the real thing. Yeah, you, you definitely have a chance. Uh, the extended, extended late deadline, yeah, submit. Like we are right there. That's actually when we are in the midst of watching and doing nothing else. And um, yeah, yes, the, the answer is yes, submit. Yeah, hey it comes back to if it's good, it's good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, over here, hi. So um, filmmakers are inherently creative, passionate, and crazy, right? So I thought just for funsies, if we could hear the most unique outside the box way you guys have been approached to get a film into your festival, either bribes or marriage proposals or This could be my idea or someone. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I've got plenty. <laughs> yeah, it, just your most unique ones. So I got sent a bat, a wooden bat. Um, it came in a big, long FedEx tube, and 
it was the name of the film, um, which now I can't remember. This is like 15 years ago. Um, no, it was like Janie's Dead or something. It was kind of blood splattered. And I'm like, well, okay. That bat is still in my house for protection. I don't know why I have a bat in my house. But, um, but I actually watched that movie. It, I, I turned it off really quickly because it was horror and gore. And then it, but, I, but I gave it to the right guy to watch. I kept the bat, though. I received, I think, like 40 balloons once. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that that was, a, was the weirdest thing I received. Just, uh, no, just someone delivered just 40 balloons. <laughs> no, yeah, no. I, I knew I realized what submission it was attached to, but <laughs> they, they wouldn't even go through the door. I don't have such a cool story. I just remembered there was a, a documentary feature that just no, like it wasn't gonna happen. And um, we 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 made the decision on Film Freeway, like it's not gonna be selected. And I got a call a day later from this PR girl who was like, "So you selected our film? We're so excited." I'm like, "Wait, what film are you from?" I'm like, "No, actually, it's not selected. No, but I think it is." And she literally called me two more times. She's like, yeah, but we're gonna come out there. Like she kept pitching me that they're gonna come out there and they're gonna throw a party at the event and that I should, like all these things. And I'm like, you're making it worse. Like stop. <laughs> and I was really, um, I was really impressed by her tenacity, but still, like, yeah. It's more like anecdotal because I can't really speak to that. But I ha I'm friendly with somebody who will remain nameless at the other festival down the road, um, a programmer that has told me. I don't know if it's like urban legend or what, but somebody's there's like a group of people, I think it's just like fascinating to me actually, that have been submitting the same film <laughs> since like the 80s, like every year. And it, 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 it they, and it's like the same crop of people. I think it's like a fascinating documentary subject to be honest with you, but just throwing that out there. We all wanna talk to you after this. <laughs> um, I'm a proposition virgin, so I'll leave my email there and any ideas. I'm open. <laughs> Hi, thanks. Uh, it's very informative, although I was late, unfortunately. But uh, uh, I'm just finished my uh, film documentary feature called Holy Wine, and uh, we were racing to make it to festival season. So I submitted multiple times a rough cut, an advanced, super advanced, almost final rough cut, and I was just wondering. Uh, how does that work? I know you said, Alf, if, if, if it's good, it's good. That's why I submitted the rough cut, because I believed it was good. But how do you guys look at it? Yeah, we, we, we talked about that when you were not here yet. Um, we addressed that. and No, no, that's okay. So we just make it quick. For me, um, if it's a rough cut, then it's not your final good version then it's not ready yet like for me i said it's a first impression and you want to make the best so i would have wait waited yeah especially if you're looking at it as going into a season you're essentially asking that festival to rewatch your film over and over and over again mm -hmm. in various different quality levels um which is not really a great first impression yeah but sound color i mean Y yeah, yes, but also not done. Yeah. 
And unless you have a relationship with that festival that knows where you're going with it, that knows the sound design that you can, you're capable of that, that kind of thing. It, it makes it, it makes it hard on the festival. You wouldn't eat uncooked chicken, right? Then I think, and then if you add the spices on top of it, then the sauce it'll be even better. So it's the same thing. Oh, but in fairness, um, should then we be more transparent in the submission process and be more open to say exactly? Yep. No, not for us. We we do actually say that it's we that we will accept, but we prefer that you have a final film. Have you ever gotten a film and said, this is great, and then they said, oh my god, that was a rough cut? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> so that just never, ever works. Okay, cool. Except for you. I, I have a question more about features, especially first features, with the exception of Slamdance, which I'm quite familiar with. Um, I feel very overwhelmed by the, the idea that I'm supposed to have some kind of name attached to a feature in order to get attention. And I'm just hoping you could talk a little about that. Um, I think it, again, it comes all down to story. And if the film fits into your festival, um, that's number one. And then the... Okay, well, yeah, genre, not genre. At the end of the day, it's, is it a good story and does it fit the festival? And then if it does all of that and then you do have a name, well, yeah, of course. Then we're like, okay, well, yeah, that would that's even nicer. But if they're, like, let's put it this way. Well, no, maybe that should. So Winter's Bone did not have a name attached. It was Jennifer Lawrence, but she was before she was Jennifer Lawrence. It's an extraordinary film, and Deborah Granick um, is an a, amazing, amazing filmmaker. But the people that she had in that film, nobody knew any of them at that time. So if you're discovering, if your film is discovering an amazing talent and you're able to bring that out in that first film, um, that's a discovery that every festival is going to want to have and say, we launched Jennifer Lawrence's career. We, we didn't, but... Um, Actually, Sundance did, but um, uh, but but you know, it's she wasn't a name when she was in that. I think it, sorry, I think also again it comes back to look at past programs within that festival. It's you know if they have been doing that, then and I know you're saying uh, Slam Dance sorry changes every time, so that makes it even more confusing. <laughs> but essentially, if you're looking at past programs and there's a trend, and the programming team is the same programming team, then you know use that knowledge. I would say. Yeah, I can, I, I can answer a little yeah. bit of that, just from programming at very different types of festivals. Um, I think I agree with you, Beth. If you have a film that's extremely original and that's extremely poignant and very strong, programmers will not care. But if your film has kind of been seen before, if it's a kind of a middle-of-the-road type of story and there's no cast, then why would the festival program it? So it's like, if you're making a film that's kind of already been done before, you'll want names in it. But if you're doing something that's Such a good very analogy. different, yeah. then who cares? <laughs> that's my, my take on it. Agreed. And then a lot of regional festivals that are trying to attract their audiences may be more um, attracted to seeing names, but then festivals that are here for discovery may care less. 
you know, as a filmmaker, um, as an independent filmmaker, especially, it's always it'll always be an eternal struggle to figure out that a little bit because it's always going to be you're in your in your gut instinct, you know, the visibility of the film with a name talent or not a name talent. You know, investors might be pressing you for one thing. You know, you might be thinking, but I think these guys are right in their estimate of like how to navigate it properly through festivals. I don't know. I doubt. Sometimes, who knows, but, you know, there's no mandate I don't think any of these guys have to, like, put movies in that have that type of talent. And I think the Winner's Bone analogy is wonderful. Um, I've seen a couple movies um, here in the last couple days I've been here that really didn't have any name talent um, at Sundance, too. You know, so it's like, you know, I think if if it's good, it's going to be good, man. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody will put it in somewhere. Then you'll have to do it all over again. I just want to give a huge thank you to our panelists, Beth, Clementine, Sandra, Thomas, Al. Um, you all were extraordinarily honest. I, I can't believe how honest and straightforward you were, and it just gave me an incredible amount of... Uh, I'm just very inspired to hear like how much you care about the jobs that you do and how seriously you take this, and I just really appreciate you all being here. Yeah. Well, we're all partners in this, yeah. right? You guys make films, we show films. Neither one of us can survive without each other. Exactly. Yeah. It's um, precious. I want I thought of one more advice that I didn't say before. Um so I think this whole business is about building relationships and networking and we have this amazing thing called social media and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So if I were you, the first thing that I would do right now is follow Evolutionary Arc International Film Festival <laughs> on Instagram. No, I'm, it's, yeah, it's serious. I'm serious. Like some pictures, put a comment and say, hey, Sandra, I saw you on the panel. And then, you know, I'll, I, I'm going to submit my movie called This and This. 100% when I see, oh, new submission, I will look it up and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's this guy or this girl. Like, that's where it starts. Like, now there is some energy here. Use that. You know, yeah, as somebody who dips into our social media channels at Movie Maker Mag, I really do notice the people who retweet a lot or ask questions and things like that, and it does, you're human, it matters. So yeah, by all means, that's such great advice. Yeah, start a conversation with that festival. Have them see you before you even submit, you know? And thanks everybody who asked excellent questions. I mean, they were the best questions I've heard to the panel. So thank you. Thank you.